Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. You are listening to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. Jonathan Siegley here with Dewey Burke, coming to you just moments after the Heels have beaten Iona in the NCAA tournament. Final score, 88-73. to So, Dewey, as every Carolina fan listening to this hopefully knows, it was a rough first half for the Heels. They took control in the second half. So, as we stand here now with the game over, what is your overall thoughts about this first round matchup in the NCAA tournament? I thought we came out really tentative, looked to step slow on both sides of the ball, step slow to loose balls and rebounds, and hesitant on catch and shoot opportunities offensively. For some reason, they had a hard time figuring out the zone early in the game, which I didn't really understand because there were times where guys like Luke or Kenny or even Cam just should have caught and shot the ball. You know, simple catch and shoot, get your feet organized and let it rip but I don't know maybe there's a little bit of nerves which I guess is understandable um and I really thought that Nasir was excellent in the first half he kept us in and have really the only guy that had great energy in the first half and I'm sure coach got after him pretty hard in that halftime locker room after about 15 times playing the ball screen incorrectly that led to an open three I would imagine he was pretty frustrated. I was not worried because I, you know, I knew they'd regress to the mean in terms of their shooting percentage. They weren't going to continue to shoot 50% and make another 10, 12 threes in that game. So I wasn't worried. Uh, I just felt like we were a little bit asleep at the wheel to start the game, but they came out good in the second half and made shots, finally got some stops, which allowed us to push tempo and beat the zone down the floor. When you beat a zone down the floor, it can't get organized, and then you get a lot of open shots. So we kind of figured it out. Still overall sloppy effort, but I think they've got a lot to talk about now, and my hunch would be they play really well on Sunday. Well, Iona clearly had a game plan, and for me watching it, it was pretty simple overall. Shoot a ton of threes was their first thing. And Iona, out of their 55 field goal attempts, 41 were threes. As you said, during the first half, they were shooting, I think it was right at 50%. Um, in that first half, they hit 10 of them. And then for the rest of the game, only hit five. When you were looking at the heels on the defense in that first half, what really were they doing wrong that led to Iona having some open looks? Because from my vantage point, it looked like it was a mix. I mean, they hit some that were tough to be sure. But on the other side, uh, on the other hand, they were able to get Carolina over rotating, and they had open looks. What did you see from the heels defensively in that first half that they will need to correct moving forward? Yeah, most of it was just misplaying and miscommunicating on the ball screens. There were some where they could have just switched because they were like players, meaning the guy who Kenny's guarding is pretty similar to the guy who Cam is guarding. So if those guys, if their men set a screen for each other, a ball screen, just switch it. I mean, you don't, you don't have to hedge and recover on that. And we got caught in between. Sometimes we tried to switch. Sometimes we were hedging and recovering. We weren't communicating. And, and then give them credit because they were making the shots. But they weren't all that difficult to make. Some of them, like you said, were. But a lot of uncontested looks. And it's just inexcusable the way we defended from an effort, effort perspective, a focus perspective, a communication perspective, all the fundamentals 
uh, we're just uh, we just blew it for 20 minutes. But we were better in the second half, more active, more attentive. Yeah. And they also missed shots, and you know they shot whatever it was four for 20 and their five for 20 in the second half to come back down to earth a little bit. And there was no way they were going to be able to score like that and shoot like that for the whole game. But we certainly gave them some life and a little bit of belief that they could do it. Even though eventually I felt like our athleticism and size and, and just overall ability would win out, which it did. Well, so going back to the Iona game plan, um, I think that their second thing is that they were clearly trying to really frustrate the heels down low by just fouling them. I mean, I saw a lot of physical play from Iona because they were physically outmatched underneath. And in the first half, it seemed to work, Dewey, but then in the second half, Carolina just kept on going back inside. You saw um, Garrison Brooks come alive, Luke May really showed a focus to to score inside. And then I thought the biggest thing was Nasir Little, like you said. I mean, he was a force. So, you know, when you're playing a team that is going to be chippy on purpose against the heels and what they're trying to do on offense, how do you think that they responded to that over the course of this game? Well, better in the second half. I mean, right, that old Mike Tyson saying, everybody's got a game plan until you punch him in the mouth. Well, we didn't. We never punched back at any point, really, in the first half. We allowed them to dictate the tempo, which you heard Coach Williams say at uh, coming out of halftime. They made a ton of shots and got the shots they wanted and then played extremely physical in the paint, uh, hoping that the referees would kind of let them play, and, and they did. And then we missed a bunch of chippies. Garrison, I don't know what he shot for the game. I'm going to look right now, but it felt like he missed his first four point-blank shots right at the rim. And, uh, and Luke missed a bunch too. So we just, we were a little off, like I said, a step slow. I don't know how much it was their game plan or just more that we needed to settle in for 20 minutes, which there's no excuse for, but the luxury you have as a one seed is you're vastly overmatching the 16 seed that you're playing. There won't be that luxury going forward. They're going to play all good teams from here out. So uh, like I said before, it just was kind of a funky, weird start. And I don't read too much into it. I knew we'd figure it out. I think Nasir was excellent, which was great to see. That's really important to have contribution from him. More points than minutes out of him tonight, which was great. Uh, My sense is they're going to play much better from the opening tip in their game on Sunday. So I wanted to talk about Kobe White real quick because even though he had a pretty rough game offensively and you asked about Garrison Brooks, he actually was four for eight, but you're right, do I think he missed his first three shots and then after that um, in the second half he had a dunk and a couple other point blank ones. So overall, you know, something that Garrison could have had a higher percentage sh- shooting but still did okay. But Kobe though, four for 14 from field goal, two for eight from beyond the three-point arc. And yet, according to Adrian Atkinson, the heels were very markedly better when he was out there on the court. And that's what I saw as well because Kobe was just very aggressive. I think that it was a very positive sign to see him just really run the offense and push tempo, even if he himself was not uh, scoring, because he did set up a lot of his teammates. I mean, that's got to be huge for the heels in their next game and moving forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he had a couple, uh, as they refer to him, hockey assists, where it was his pass that led to the next pass for a basket. And because we finally got some stops in the second half and they weren't making a three every possession, we were able to push the pace and beat the zone down the floor and just get easier baskets in the paint. Cam got going, made a couple. I thought Coach called a great set coming out of the 
the start of the second half where Cam made that shot right in front of our bench. So the Kobe didn't shoot it great. Yeah, I think he actually made his first two and then went two for his next 12. Is that right? I think so. So yeah, he didn't shoot it great, but I've talked on this podcast a lot. I don't worry about him. He's always going to be there. He's going to be the heartbeat of our team, pushing the ball with effort and trying to play the way coach wants to play. Uh, he he actually, I didn't think, was really flat uh, so much in the first half as, the, as some of the other guys. So really, those the two freshmen that I was okay with how they played the first 20 minutes. But he'll be fine. And our plus minus is always going to be better when he's out there. There's no question about that. I don't have the minutes here because the box score I'm looking at hasn't uploaded them yet. I got but it. How many minutes did the bench players have? Because it was I thought that coach really went with his stars for majority of the game, and I was honestly surprised to see Leaky Black get um, his run ahead of Andrew Playtech. Yeah, so, well, yeah, coach was mad. He was just mad, so he was just <laughs> trying to mix something up. He was pissed off at how we were playing. And uh, so he put Leaky in there in, in the first half, and uh, he did okay. You know, he looked a little rusty, but had a nice offensive rebound. Had that travel call right at the end of the half, which I don't think his foot ever actually came up off the floor, which Coach was mad about. But uh, yeah, I mean, he played uh, he played Leaky five minutes, B Rob eleven, seventh eight, and that was really it until mop up duty. So he he kept it tight, kept the starters in there. Um, except for Nasir, obviously he played 17 minutes and, and was really, really active and, uh, aggressive around the rim, which was great. So look, I mean, one of the things to remember about the NCAA tournament is the TV timeouts every four minutes are an, at least another minute, if not minute and a half longer than yeah. regular games and halftime is 20 minutes instead of 15 minutes. So you get a lot more rest in these tournament games because of all the sponsorship and the commercials. So you can tighten the rotation. I mean, I can vividly remember being in those huddles during the tournament where the way coach runs his timeout huddle is he speaks and then he gives each assistant a chance to speak and say whatever they have to say. And then he, he kind of closes the, closes the conversation. And I can remember a number of times where he would go through that, speak, the coach would speak, he would speak in, and then we'd have another minute and we would just sit there kind of, you know, catching, catching our breath, getting hydrated, whatever. Whereas in a regular game, kind of the cadence of the timeout, as soon as coach was done his second piece, we walked right back on the floor. There's like a whole nother period of time. Anyway, so I'm getting way in the weeds, but the point is uh, you have way more rest in these tournament games. So you can tighten the rotation and, you know, for the first, whatever you want to say, 27 minutes, it was a really close game by our own fault, but it was a close game. So he was going to keep our best guys in there. Well, I thought that Carolina did an excellent job in the second half of just coming out and really just putting their foot on the game and saying, look, we know that we are better and we're going to start playing like it. Uh, Like you said, Cam Johnson hitting the three off of that really nice design play. And, you know, against that zone that Iona tried to play, I thought that Cam at the top of the key was really nice. I know he had at least two passes and I'd like to get your thoughts, Dewey, if it's a if it's a set play or part of the just motion offense where, you know, kind of the, the Ford gets the ball there at the top of the key and then the big man to his right just goes right to the basket. I know he mm-hmm. hit Garrison for one and then Nasir for another that I can remember. So, yeah, is that designed or is that just part of, of a look that if it's there, you know, Roy instructs the players, hey, take it. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of a lot of the stuff against the zone, we really were just running our motion offense. Our zone motion offense was calls for 
our five and four men to rotate in the paint and kind of in a in a circle motion, flashing to the high post. And if you don't get it, diving down to the block and letting the other big come up. As I was watching the game, I was enthused when either Cam or Nasir were the ones at that high post area. And they can both be dangerous from there for different reasons. Cam, obviously, a lethal shooter. So as soon as he catches, they have to close on him immediately because he'll make all those 15-footers in a row if they were to give them to him. And so by them collapsing in on him, worrying about his shooting, he should be able to distribute and find guys on the opposite wing to catch and shoot. For Nasir, it's a different threat. Him catching the ball there and then just ripping through and going right to the rim to attack the basket and put the ball in or at least get fouled. So I like the dynamic of either one of those guys. And I like that better than, say, a Garrison uh, in that role because those guys handle the ball a little bit more and and can be a threat for those two different ways. So it kind of came just born out of our normal five, what we call five uh, zone offense. And uh, look, some teams might look at that scout and see in the first half that we really struggled with the zone and try to play it more. So we got to be ready and we've got to be more decisive. And when we have open shots, you got to step up and have the balls to shoot them and make them. Well, the very next team that the Heels are going to face, Washington, is definitely going to play a lot of zone. So we'll talk about that just here in a second. But before we take a quick commercial break, Dewey, give me one positive that the Heels can take from this game moving forward and then one area that they definitely need to clean up if they're going to continue this run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, the most positive thing coming out of this game was Nasir Little and how active and aggressive he was. I thought he was moving really well. He was bouncy and and like I said, just aggressive around the rim and he finished. You know, he's had games where he's tried to get to the basket and not finish or had a shot blocked. And, and maybe that was due to a little bit to Iona's lack of size. But just overall his mindset and mentality, really, really positive. And then something to clean up. You have no ability to not show up for 20 minutes anymore because everybody's good now. So you can't take a half off. Not that that was the mentality that we could take a half off. They just kind of did. They were a step slow, weren't executing, weren't communicating defensively. And and so just overall as a team mindset, no plays off, no possessions off, and certainly no halves off. I think Coach Roy Williams got his message across in the locker room during that halftime speech there. Heels were definitely a different team in the second half. Let's take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, let's go ahead and talk briefly, Dewey, about the upcoming matchup against Washington, and also just get your thoughts on some other NCAA tournament games. So we'll be right back after this. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Johnny T-Shirt. They are a very long-term supporter of Inside Carolina and the Inside Carolina podcast, and they are your place to go to for Carolina gear. Johnny T-Shirt has been a Franklin Street tradition for over 35 years, and they are one of the absolute iconic locations there on campus. They are locally and alumni-owned with a great staff that puts great value on customer service. It is really top-notch. When you go into Johnny T-Shirt, they make you feel like you are a part of the family. They are your place to go to for Carolina gear because it is their focus. They have a terrific selection of anything that you might want from memorabilia to jerseys to clothing and everything in between. And if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get your exclusive 10% off discount on all of your purchases. You can use that either in their Chapel Hill store or at johnnytshirt.com. That's johnnytshirt.com. So even if you live at a state and you still need that Johnny t-shirt fix you can go there to order 
anything that you need Carolina related. So support Johnny T-Shirt and support the Inside Carolina podcast. Visit their website, giantt-shirt.com, and visit their store when you're in town on game days. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegler here with Dewey Burke breaking down the Heels 88-73 to victory over the Iona Gales. And Dewey, so the next opponent is going to be Washington on Sunday. Washington beating Utah State. I actually thought that Utah State was going to win that matchup. I'm a little bit surprised just because I was not impressed with the Pac-12 at all this year or Pac-14, whatever they are now. And, uh, you know, Washington, though, they did put up a pretty convincing display. I think that game got within one kind of later on in the second half, and then they just extended it back out. They are going to be another 2-3 zone team. So when you look at how the Heels played against the Iona Zone tonight and how they fared against Syracuse in the ACC regular season, how do you think that matchup is going to be going just on paper on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, look, the Pac-12 was down this year and has been for a couple of years. So on paper, whatever metric you want to look at, strength of schedule, Ken Palm, uh, the RPI, just the the caliber of athletes that we have, et cetera, Carolina should win the game. But that's why you got to go play. So, look, Washington's going to be in an underdog mindset. They have absolutely nothing to lose. And we cannot take possessions or any part of the games off. Like I keep saying, everybody's good. So I watched a little bit of the Utah State game, not much of it. I haven't seen a lot of Pac-12 games this year. Uh, Sean Moran said on our podcast the other day, it doesn't sound like we missed a whole lot. But my mindset and the mindset of Coach Williams has always been, we're going to worry about what we're doing and play the way that we play and try and stop us. And for the second 20 minutes, we were more like ourselves. In the first 20 minutes, we weren't. So our job, our task at hand is to play like Carolina for 40 minutes. More attentive, get to loose balls more quickly, communicate better defensively. And if they are going to play zone against us, move the ball crisply. One thing Coach Williams loved to say, move intelligently without the ball. Get to the right spots where we can hurt them and break the zone down. And then when the shots come and there's going to be more outside shots than in the paint, Take them and make them, and that's how you move on. And then so looking at the rest of the bracket there in the Midwest, Auburn and Kansas both advanced, so the four or five seeds. And then in the bottom half, uh, Wofford is going to face off against Kentucky, and then Iowa State is in a fight right now as we record this against Ohio State, but the number three seed, Houston, has already advanced. So, I mean, right now the bracket is looking pretty chalk-dewy. Is that what you expected out, out of the Midwest when you were looking at this matchup before the games actually started? It was, and, and I think I said this on our podcast the other night. I know they played horribly, but I think Auburn is going to be Kansas. So that's the only you know, minor upset, if you can call it that, that I predicted, if you want to say, in my bracket. Um, I would expect Houston to take care of business and and have it be, you know, us, Kentucky, Houston, and Auburn. That's what I think. Obviously, everybody would love, except for maybe Wes Miller, uh, for Wofford to give Kentucky a game and, and beat them. That'd be an unbelievable story and, to me, be helpful for us. So, uh I'll, of course, be pulling for Wofford tomorrow uh, in spite of what Wes would want me to do. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about Carolina now. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what I expect. I expect one, two, three, five. All right. And then out of the rest of the games, do we, any one that kind of stood out to you that was surprising? I mean, a lot of people were uh, getting some eyes on that Virginia game early on. 
they had a tough time of it, but they pulled out a comfortable victory. I think Duke was also maybe uh, that North Dakota State team hung around with them. But, you know, overall, when you were looking at all the games over these last two days, were, were there any of them that kind of stuck out to you? Or, you know, maybe a team that you think, huh, maybe they really need to turn it on if they're going to advance as far as what people were expecting them. You know, nothing crazy. I, I was a little surprised Wisconsin played so poorly against Oregon. Uh, again, like we just talked about, the Pac-12 has been down, even though Oregon just went on a run. I thought Wisconsin's ability to take care of the basketball and get the ball inside to half would give Oregon trouble, especially because they don't have their big freshman bowl ball, but they blew them off the floor. That That surprised me a little bit. And then what you said about the one seeds, UVA struggled in the first half, so did Duke, so did we. So actually them struggling in the first half gave me some solace about how we were playing. It was just, you know, they figured it out at halftime. Uh, we can too. So uh, obviously the big story was Jay Morant at, at Murray State. That to me wasn't a huge surprise because uh, it always helps when you have the best player on the floor. And even though that was a 5-12, the best player was on the 12th seeded team and he carried him to the win. So I don't think there was anything super crazy, no wild buzzer beaters. The end of the Auburn game was complete chaos. Uh, some of the dumbest things I've ever seen happen. But uh, you know, yeah. kids get nervous. That's that's kind of how this thing goes. You're you're afraid to make a mistake sometimes, which is never the right way you want to be playing. And to go ahead and close it out here, now that every team still alive in the tournament has been through the the first game, do the jitters kind of go away at this point? And does everyone kind of settle in and really get back to saying, hey, we're going to play our game, we're in this thing, and let's just see where we can go from here? I do think so. And it's, it's interesting. It's a great question. I think, no, no doubt about it, the jitters are going to be gone for this game on Sunday. And then for the 16 teams that advance, they'll feel the jitters again at the beginning of the Sweet 16 game. And then they'll get through that. And if they're fortunate to win to get to the Elite Eight, the Elite Eight game, you're fine. And then you, if you make it to the Final Four, the beginning of the Final Four game, you have the jitters again. And then you settle into that game. And then if you're fortunate to make it to Monday night, you're fine because you had just played two days before. So like each weekend has its own kind of rhythm and flow to it that you settle into as a team and, and as a player. And I think everybody's nervous at the start of you know each little pod. So I expect the quality of the basketball to be a lot better over the next two days. And more, most importantly, like we're, or I've been talking about this whole time, I think Carolina plays much better for all 40 minutes on Sunday. Well, it's like you said, from here on now, the competition is going to be tough. So the heels are definitely going to need to bring it from tip off, but I'm with you. I think that, that they can and they will, but we will have to watch and see what happens on Sunday night. So for this one, Dewey, we'll go ahead and sign off. Really appreciate you joining me, man. All right. Thanks, sir. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.